it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word because it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, I thank you that the word today is going to divide between our soul and our spirit. We will hear what God is saying to us. We will align our hearts and our wills to your word. And Father, we thank you that manifestation shall come. And I thank you most of all for signs, miracles, and wonders following your word as you have promised. And we believe that and we receive that. And it's in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. For those of you who are visiting and for those of you who haven't been to church in a long time, you're noticing that I'm sitting this morning uh, because I've decided to do a series for the next couple of weeks at least, and I'm going to call it One-on-One with Pastor Evan. And basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you a principle uh, that's on my heart that I want to give you because sometimes as a pastor, I just want to talk to my church. In other words, you know how growing up, you have those talks, family talks. I mean, they had family talks growing up. We did. And so, you know, you didn't know what to expect. And so this is kind of like a family talk. But the purpose of the family talk is for me to really just express my heart on some things that I believe God wants you to know. But then I also am taking this opportunity to answer questions from the congregation. And these, these questions are going to range in all different kinds of ways. And so uh, I'm going to jump right into what the principle is. I'm going to take about 10 or 12 minutes or so, and I'm going to teach you on a principle uh, that I feel that's on my heart. And today I want to talk about decisions from above. Decisions from above because... Everybody in one way or another will be making critical decisions for their life in 2016. You may be trying to make a decision on whether you should start having a family and having a baby. You may be making a decision of a job change. You may be making a decision on whether or not, you know, uh, you want to stay with Junior. Uh, Whatever your decision is, I believe that there are some principles in making godly decisions that each one of us need to know. And here's the thing about decisions. Most people allow their feelings to decide God's will for their life. In other words, if they feel good about it, they do it. If they don't feel good about it, they don't do it. And here's the thing. Jesus could have allowed his feelings to dictate God's will for his life, but thank God that he didn't do that. Most people make it seem like that Jesus was was happy to die on the cross. He was not happy to die on the cross. Would you be happy to die on the cross? No. I mean, some of us, we're not even happy that we have to pay for a full tank of gas. Jesus did not want to die on the cross. That's why he said, not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, Jesus' will was that he did not want to die on the cross. And so he did not allow his feelings to dictate 
God's will for his life. He was very discerning, and he was discerning enough to not let how he felt change God's will. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 4. I know it's warm in here, and uh, I don't like the fact. The fact that it's warm, but I'm glad it's warm because this will help us get out of here. Look at your neighbor and say, this ain't our church. Oh, this is not our church. Hebrews chapter 4, look in verse 12. By the way, it didn't feel like that this morning, so y'all must have came in hot. Hebrews 4, look in verse 12. Decisions from above. How to make godly decisions. It says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now watch how he's explaining the Word of God. He's saying the Word of God is living. It's alive. It's active. And then it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Word can pierce to the division of a person's soul and spirit. Here's the point I want you to see. When you and I are making decisions, the only way that we're going to succeed in making godly decisions is if we're going to have to allow the Word to separate our soul from our spirit. And the reason why the Word has to do that because both of those parts of us are spirit. Our soul is spirit. We can't see it. Our spirit is spirit. And so anything that's spirit is invisible. And so those two parts of us, our soul is what really runs our, our soul man or our natural life. And the spirit part of us is supposed to run the spirit part of us. But here's the problem. Most people cannot, can never really know the difference between God speaking to their spirit or their, their flesh or their soul speaking to their soul. They don't know the difference. Well, guess what? The Word, everybody say the Word. The Word is the only thing that would divide our soul and our spirit. It goes on to say the joints and the marrow. And then it says the Word is discerning of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. The Word can do that. Everybody say the Word. And if you'll notice, that's what helps us discern between what's right and what's wrong, what's God and what's gas. Because sometimes people, they are experiencing gas. It's not God. Look at your neighbor and say, you have gas? Look at him and say, that was personal. That was personal. There's a scripture in the Bible that says God confirms his word, watch this, with signs following. Signs don't follow your feelings. Signs follow the word. So before you start making decisions, the best way to make them is to start out with the word. Everybody say the word. Listen, God will confirm his word with signs following. God will watch over his word to perform it. The Bible says heaven and earth will not pass away. Well, will pass away, but that word will never pass away. In other words, the word of God is the only solid thing that we have to make good decisions on. And I've learned to let the word guide me. Many people, they make decisions and ask God to bless it. That ain't what I do. I've learned to now find out what God wants to do, and I know it's already blessed. That's why the Bible says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, heaven, the will of God in heaven is already set. It's already there. It's already done. All I need to do is line up with that will. And when you line up with the will of God, and the word of God will confirm that. You know, because some people say, you know, so there are some gray areas in the Bible. Everybody say gray areas. There are some gray areas in the Bible. And uh, 
when people don't know what to do with the gray, they make decisions from their soul. Now, go to Mark chapter 16 quickly. We'll, we'll say this, and then I'm going to jump into some questions this morning. Mark chapter 16, verses 20. Uh, godly decisions are supposed to become incremental or step-by-step, and they are supposed to confirm and complete God's will for our lives. In other words, what I'm saying is decisions are supposed to eventually lead us closer to God's will for our life. That's what decisions are supposed to do. But many times people, when they make decisions, they're not making them according to the word of God. They're just making them based on how they feel that day. And that's why, you know, one day you want to stay with Junior and the next day you don't want to be with Junior. Because you being with Junior is based on your soul instead of you being with Junior is based on the word. See, what you don't realize the word will change junior if you'll stick with the word. Look at your neighbor and say, the word will change junior. Yeah. Uh, Mark 16, verse 20. If you're there, say I'm there. Uh, I'm going to read it from the screen. It says this. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Watch this now. The Lord worked with them and he confirmed what? What did he confirm? He confirmed the word. He confirmed my dream. Oh, he confirmed this prophecy I got. Oh, he confirmed, you know, uh, what my Aunt Josie said three years ago to my cousin's baby daddy. What is that he confirms? He confirms the word. And this is how he does it, with signs following. In other words, people pray for the signs. And then they ask for a sign, and then they, 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 they expect that to necessarily be the word. No, no, no. The Bible says that the enemy, he can give lying signs and wonders. Amen. There are two types of wisdom. Number one, you have earthly wisdom. Everybody say earthly wisdom. This is wisdom that makes sense to the natural man. This is normally wisdom that agrees with our soul. This is wisdom that makes sense in the natural. This is, this is advice and uh, directions that you get uh, from just natural things. Like, you know, you, you met this guy. You met, you met Harry. And you ain't met a good guy in a long time. But Harry, Harry got his own job. It's a good paying job too. Harry is on salary. He's not even paid by the hour. Harry got a salary job. Harry, Harry got a nice car. His car is better than your car. Harry, check this out. Harry got his own house. Harry got good credit. And you met Harry and you're like, this has to be God. He got a good job. He got good credit. He got a house. Uh, he got all that. Oh, this is God. And then Harry pops the question. Will you come and move in with me? Oh, you thought the other question was he was married? No, 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 no. People ain't popping that question these days. The question people are being popped is, will you come and live with me? Now, natural wisdom is like, oh, you know what, girl, I don't see nothing wrong with that. I mean, we already sleeping together. Touch your neighbor and say he coming down your street in just a minute. See, natural wisdom, like, well, I'm already sleeping with him. I might as well just go on and live with him. He said he would pay all the electricity bills and all the utilities, and I could save half. I mean, uh, us two having two places to live, and we bring it together. He said all I have to do is pay half of the house now. Everybody say that's flesh wisdom. That ain't the wisdom of God. 
Christians do it all the time. Christians do it all the time. Look at your neighbor and say, are you sleeping with somebody? Just ask him. Just ask him. <laughs> Boy, it's getting hot in here, ain't it? I got, I got folks waving and going on. Y'all ought to look behind y'all. This is how I look right here. Everybody say earthly wisdom. Then you have spiritual wisdom. Go to James. We'll close here. James chapter 3 because I got to get into the questions that I've been given. James chapter 3. We're going to look in verse 15. You have earthly wisdom and you have spiritual or godly wisdom. James chapter 3 verse 15 says this. It says, this wisdom descends not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's earthly wisdom now. Notice it called the wisdom that comes from the earth, man's wisdom. Notice it called it devilish, sensual. He said, wherever strife is and envy, there is confusion in every good work. But the wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure. Everybody say pure. It's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. In other words, he's saying, listen, when you make decisions with the wisdom of God, it's going to first be pure. It's going to be gentle. It's going to be easy to be entreated. So how do you and I we make, get in position to make good decisions this year? Because I'm telling you some opportunities are coming your way. A better job offer is going to come your way. God is going to want to transfer you from one department to the next department. It's coming your way. Well, how do you make a good decision? Well, the first thing is to understand is that to make a good decision, it must start with wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. What is wisdom? Wisdom is applied knowledge. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know to do. Wisdom is the first thing you and I need to make good decisions. Here's number two. Once we receive the wisdom from God, we must receive it and not reject it. In other words, if it's not what you want, God already knows what's best. Do you believe that God can see into next year? Oh, he can see three years from now. And I know that girl is fine, but he can see in five years, she's going to have a, she gonna have a, a, ner a nervous breakdown. In five years from now, she's going to have a mid what, midlife crisis, and she's going to forget all about why she got with you. But I know it looks good now. You got to receive it and not reject it. Here's the next one. You got to realize that when the wisdom of God comes, he's going to confirm his word. And one of the ways that God will confirm things is through godly counsel. Godly counsel can come from several ways. It can come through your true group leader. But, you know, I, I used to want, wonder, why don't I, I'm a pastor, why don't I get a lot of meetings with my members? I found out why. They don't want to hear what I got to say. Some of y'all don't want me to tell you what you feel, well, you know, what the Lord is saying. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear, hear that you need to move out with Junior. You don't want to hear that. Right. Amen. So I don't have a lot of meetings. So if you'd like to meet with me, call the office, please. I'd like to meet with you. But a lot of people don't meet. And see, but watch this. The Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there are safety. One of the ways that God can, can give you wisdom is through your pastor. If you're making financial changes in your life, uh, big, I'm talking about big changes, big changes in your career, listen, get somebody with some wisdom. Get somebody who can sit down with It doesn't have to be the pastor, but it needs to be somebody who has a consistent spiritual record. You want somebody who has a record of being able to hear from God. Because guess what? God's going to talk to more than just you. 
I know the idea is going to sound wonderful, but my question is this. Who else can God confirm that through? You say, well, I'm just listening. When, when God talked to me, I don't talk to nobody else. Well, that's why you have made all these mistakes in your life. It wasn't God. It was a couple years ago. If I say years ago. They don't go here no more so I can talk about it, right? Years ago, there was a couple. Yeah. <laughs> they might listen to the podcast. I don't know. But there was this couple. I'm not saying, I'm not saying no names, so y'all leave me alone. So, so there was this couple, and, you know, he, he, he said that God told him that they needed to relocate from Texas to Arizona. And I said, and I was like, so what are you going to do there? Well, I don't know. You know, he told me when I got there, the job would be there. I said, okay. That's faith. <laughs> so he never asked me what I thought. And I'm not going to tell you what I think unless you ask me. And so he didn't ask me what I thought, and so I didn't tell him. And so uh, I got ready to meet. Uh, the last thing I asked him in a meeting, I said, is your wife in agreement with this? He says, yes. I said, well, okay, well, God bless y'all. So they moved to Arizona. And when he was down here, he was the only one who worked. He took care of his wife and his family. She had to be, she was just a stay-at-home mom and everything. They made enough money, did well, had their cars and all that. They get up there, man, uh, that job that he thought was going to get there didn't get there. I think, I think when he left Texas, the job stayed in Texas. Got up there, couldn't find no job. Well, what happens when you can't find a job? You can't pay your bills. He started losing everything, losing cars, losing. They, they ended up on welfare. And here's the bad part. I didn't believe they should have went, but he didn't ask me. And so when they finally got back here, because God told me to move them here, I didn't want to move them back. I was like, they didn't ask me to move. Well, why should I be moving them back? He told me to move them back. I moved them back. So one of the things I asked, I said, Let's, on the phone when, it was, when we were talking about moving back here, I said, your husband said you was in agreement with y'all moving. She said, I wasn't in agreement. I was just supportive. I said, what? <laughs> See, there's a difference between agreement and support. A good wife is going to support her husband. Who wouldn't? Oh, honey, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, I believe in you. I believe in you. I love you. Yeah, and you're going to believe in him and you're going to love him until this thing just hit the fan. Well, they hit the fan big time, and she said, I didn't say I agree with him. I just said I would support him. Well, they left without being in agreement, number one. And number two, God didn't tell them that. Let me ask you this question. When it was time for God to baptize Jesus, how did he confirm that Jesus was the Son of God? The Bible says that he told John first. He says, John, there's coming a, a, a person among you whose shoes you're not going to be worthy to unlatch. And that person, when that dove come down and stay down, that's going to be the Son of God. And he's going to take away the sins of the world. Well, God already confirmed who Jesus was through John. So when it happened, John said, oh, there's the Son of God. Well, why is it you're the only person God has shared the plan with? Touch your neighbor and say, I'm glad he's through with this. So now I want to get into some questions. Here's some questions. These are questions that I got from the members. All right, we only got through two of them in the first service, and uh, we probably won't only get with two through this service right here, but I'm going to do my best. Now, I'm going to tell you what the questions are, and if we have time, I may take some questions here, but if it works like in the first service, I didn't get finished. So let me tell you what the questions are, and maybe I'll take a vote on which questions you want me to answer first, second, or third. Here's the first question I got online. It says, how do I find my purpose? I am living for God. But how do I find my calling and my purpose? That was the first question. Here's the second question that, that I have here. And it was, are tattoos okay for Christians to have? See, y'all didn't mumble on the first one. Here's question number three. How do you distance yourself from friends and coworkers who associate themselves with the old you? 
I'm ready to obey God and serve God at another level. And I don't want to seem rude or hurt their feelings because I can't kick it with them anymore. So which, which question would you all like answered first? Question number one, which is how do I find my purpose? Raise your hand if you'd like me to answer that one. Okay. Ooh, that's quite a bit. All right, if you want to hear uh, are tattoos okay for Christians, raise your hand on that one. Okay. Wow. Not that many. That was the first one in the first service. Interesting. And then how about how do you distance yourself from friends and coworkers? How many would like to see that one first? Okay, well, the first one was on purpose. So I want you to turn your Bibles now to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, no, no, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to answer the question, how do you find your purpose how do you find the calling that God has on your life? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to show you how to figure that out this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9. Who has saved us, it's talking about God, who has saved us and called us with what kind of calling? A holy calling, not according to our works, but according to what? His own what? His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, we're going to unpack this verse so I can show you not only how do you discover your purpose and your calling, but also show you how to get it. Notice in this verse, he said, God has saved us and has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, which says, number one, that God has a purpose for your life. Just touch your neighbor and say, God has a purpose for your life. It doesn't matter how you got here. He has a purpose for your life. Now, the word, when it, when it says here, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, that word purpose means proposed intention. In other words, God has a proposed intention for your life. Everybody say, God has a proposed intention for my life. So if you want to write down and you're taking notes, the word purpose there means proposed intention. So number one, God has a proposed intention for your life, for my life. Here's number two. We gained access to that proposed intention when we came into Christ. If you read down, it says, Who has saved us, verse 9, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was, watch this, given. Everybody say, it was given. It was given us in who? In Christ, watch this, before the world began. So not only does God have a purpose for your life and my life, but God, watch this now, that purpose was already set up before the foundation of the world and the way you and I access what that purpose is is when we enter into Christ Jesus. Are you all with me so far? Now, if you are already in Christ Jesus, which most of you probably are. The question is now, how do I access what's already been given? Well, that's a good question. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Our purpose is based on God's will. Everybody say, my purpose is based on God's will. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. And this is what it says. It says, I'm, I'm sorry, in verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Remember, we're in Christ. 
both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose, watch this, of him who works all things after the counsel of his will. Let's just stop there and notice this. I want you to know something. The will that God has for your life, that you access through Jesus Christ, that will, watch this now, it's all about what God wants for you. Amen. Now, something that you probably didn't know. See that word purpose there? First of all, let me just say this. God's proposed intention, once we access it through Christ, here's most, what most people don't realize. And this is the part that they don't know, that your, your purpose must be discovered. Everybody say, my purpose must be discovered. Most people don't discover their purpose because they don't look for it. Now, how many know you got to look for something in the right place? If I told you there was $1,000 in this room, it wouldn't make sense to me if you was outside in the parking lot looking for it. See, most people are looking for God's purpose, but they're looking in all the wrong places. You're not going to find God's purpose in the club. Touch your neighbor and just look at him and say, were you there last night? Were you there? You're not going to find it in the club. You're not going to find it in the club. There are certain places that you'll find the will of God. And I want to show you something. Uh, go to Matthew quickly. Go to Matthew real quick. Go to Matthew. I want to show you something. I, th I thought this was interesting. Matthew. And uh, go to chapter 12. Notice in, in Ephesians it says that, you know, it's according to God's own purpose that he's called us. Remember I said your purpose must be discovered. I'm about to show you now how to discover the purpose. All right. Matthew chapter 12. Look in verse 1. It says, at that time, Jesus went on on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck the ears of corn and eat. Verse 2, but when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, behold, your disciples, they do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, have you not read what David did? When he was hungry, they, and they that were with him, how he entered where, class? Come on, class. Where did David them go? They went into the house of God, and what did they eat? They ate the showbread. When you look that word showbread up in the Greek, it's the same word purpose in the English. Same word. In other words, showbread means purpose, and purpose means showbread. You say, well, pastor, what's the difference? What did they do to that showbread? The Bible says they ate it. Well, one of the things that you have to do to discover your purpose is that you have to be in the house of God and you got to eat the Word of God so you can discover what God has for your life. And most people, listen, Jesus said it. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the only way you and I are going to discover the purpose, we got to be under the Word so our purpose can be discovered. Amen. David then made the showbread. Here's something interesting. I'm just going to throw this in for free so I can get to my second point. Watch what happened with David. He entered into the house of God. He did eat showbread or he ate purpose. Watch this. Which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him. Watch this. But only for the who? Priests. Watch this now. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation. You and I, we are royal priesthood. So now we are in position as priests to eat the word to discover the purpose that God has for our life. 
And that's why the enemy don't want you to get under the word. He don't want you to read the word. He don't want you to eat the word. Jesus said, man, shall not live by neck bones. You got to live by some word. Man, have you had some word today? Amen. So we scope. So, so purpose is discovered, and it's discovered through revelation. Everybody say revelation. Once you get under that word and you start hearing the word, you eat the word, you live the word, then revelation comes. This is when God speaks to you by his spirit or through his word. Everybody say by his spirit or through his word. And see, this is what happened to me. So, you know, years ago, I'm just going to church. I'm under the word. I'm in church. I'm serving. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I'm praying every day like I'm supposed to, like a Christian. And one day I'm praying and the Lord speaks to me and says, I want you to preach my word. I didn't want to do that. I knew it was him. The devil ain't going to ask me to preach the word. And see, you know, to me, preaching, telling people you're a preacher, it's like telling somebody you got AIDS. You can't get rid of it. I mean, once you're a preacher, you're a preacher, right? I mean, once you, you ever met somebody, hey, I'm an ex-preacher. <laughs> Who's an ex-preacher? You may have a backslide preacher, but ain't no such thing as being an ex-preacher. Once you're a preacher, you're a preacher. And I wasn't going to tell nobody I was a preacher. The Lord told me I was going to be a preacher. I was like, man, I ain't. And so I wrestled for two weeks. I wrestled, man, and finally I was like, you know what? I think I need to tell my pastor. So I, I went and I saw my pastor one Sunday after church or whatever, and uh, he said, come on in and talk to him. And I, was, I was like, you know what, uh, pastor, I, I think the Lord, well, I didn't think. I said, the Lord told me he wants me to preach. He said, I knew it. I said, what do you mean you knew it? He said, God told me a long time ago. He just told me not to tell you. So I discovered through revelation, and that revelation came, watch this, either while I'm in the Word or whether it's through the Spirit. Well, the Spirit told me, okay, I'm supposed to be a preacher. Well, we can see that that's, that's, that's pretty true now because y'all sitting up here listening to me. Okay, so watch this now. That's how we do it. So here are three things that you can do. Here are practical things that you can do until what your purpose is is revealed to you. Because you say, well, Pastor, I'm doing that. I'm serving. I'm giving. I'm, I'm coming to church. Well, here's what you do. These are things that you do until... It's revealed. Number one, you continue to seek. Asking you shall receive. Seeking you what? You shall find. Number two, you serve. Everybody say you serve. serve. Yes. Listen, some of y'all are waiting on God to tell you what, you what you need to do, and you ain't doing what you know to do. Well, let me ask you, why should God be so spiritual and tell you you're going to be this big evangelist when you can't even evangelize in the children's department? Oh, you didn't hear that. Let me rewind it. Why do, well, how do you think God's going to make you be an evangelist and you can't be an evangelist right there and back there in the children's department? Oh, you didn't get it. Let me rewind it. Why does God need to be you an evangelist and you know you can't be an evangelist back there in the children's department? Did you get it this time? In other words, we're waiting on God to tell us to do these big things when he's just saying, I need you to get involved in my body. Can I get an amen from the church? You're going to seek. You're going to serve. And see me, I don't understand now. I'm about to, what time? I'm, oh, man, I'm out of time. I, I just want, here's the thing. This is for single people. Single people, y'all, 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 y'all irritate me. Here's why. I love you, though. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you all today. Y'all bother me, though. Because here's the thing. Y'all are so consumed with who you want in your life and who you going to marry and who, who, all that. When all you got to do is serve the king of kings, and the king of kings is going to make sure you get a king. I don't get it. So you're going to seek, you're going to serve, and you're going to sow. What does that mean? You're going to sow your time. You're going to sow your service. You're going to sow that word in your life. 
All right, so I, I'm done, and I only got through. Y'all must have been a slow class. No, that was, a long, that was a long explanation. But let me ask something. Do you understand now about your purpose? Number one, we know we've got purpose. God gave it to you before the foundation of the world. When you get in Christ Jesus, you can access it. Well, how do I do it? How do I get it? I discover that purpose. How do I discover it? I discover it through revelation. How do I get revelation? I get revelation through prayer, and I get revelation through the Spirit or through the Word. And once, it, what do I do until it's revealed? I seek, I serve, and I sow. That's what I do. And that's what you do because that's what happened to me. Nobody came and told me that, yeah, 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 you're going to be a preacher. I got it through revelation. How did Jesus get it? Revelation. How did John get it? Revelation. Well, how are you going to get it? You know what? But see, we want revelation and manifestation without putting in some work. It don't work like that. I promise you, if you do what I'm telling you, you'll discover. And uh, I'll, I'll close with this story. Uh, but years ago, uh, I, was, I, I was getting ready to go to prayer. We had prayer at 6 o'clock at this church I was a part of. It was 6 in the morning. So I was getting up, getting ready for prayer. And the Holy Spirit says to me, you're going to be your pastor's Epaphroditus. I said, what the heck is Epaphroditus? I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what is that? I, I didn't even know what Epaphroditus. I don't even know how to spell Epaphroditus. Even today I can't spell that word, right? So I, I, I was like, wow, what was that? So I didn't pay no attention to it. I get to work. I mean, I get to prayer, and we praying and everything. And the Spirit of God says, you're going to be your pastor's Epaphroditus. I said, what is Epaphroditus? <laughs> I said, okay, I'll look it up when I get home. I get home, and I'm getting ready for work, and it comes again. Epaphroditus. Well, I look up Epaphroditus. And if you go and read the book of Ephesians and Galatians, one of the things that is said about Epaphroditus is that he was Paul's uh, he ministered to Paul's wants. He was Paul's soldier, and uh, basically he was Paul's partner in the gospel. Paul, uh, he helped Paul a lot. And if you go and read about Epaphroditus, you'll see that. I didn't know that. How do I got that? I got that through revelation. There's no way you can spend quality time with God and he not share with you what he already has for you to do. God already has this thing planned out. All you need to do is act interested. So I'm going to stop right here. Next week, I'll answer the tattoo question. Okay, so you can listen to the podcast for the, for the tattoo question and what else? What was the other one? Oh, about the friends and kicking it and all that? Go to the podcast and you can listen to that one. Because uh, next week, one of the things I'm going to talk about is uh, 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 how to study the Bible. One of the people asked me. Pastor, how do I study the Bible? Well, if you don't know how to study the Bible, I'm going to teach you how to study the Bible next week in one of my questions. Did y'all learn anything today? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's moving. Here's my question to you. If you die today, are you 100% sure heaven would be your home? See, here's the thing about dying. It's an eternal thing. You can't come back alive after you die.